How's everybody doing this morning? Woo! You enjoying the cool weather? Yes! Finally! Yes! I'm loving it myself. First time I've had jeans on. First day I've had jeans on for two days. Wow! In six months, I bet. But anyway, I want to welcome everybody out here. My name is Gary, and I'm one of the three elders here at Greater Alton. Tim has been uh, in, a, in a series entitled The Mission, His Mission. And we've been looking at the Great Commission, which is found at the end of Matthew chapter 28, which is in your notes. Um, it's also found in Mark chapter 6, I'm, I'm sorry, 16, uh, and other places, like Acts chapter 1 is where it's also found. And he's been talking about what the mission is in the, 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 in, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. If you look at it in your notes real quick here, we'll read it together and then we'll go talking about it. It says, Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And guys, go make disciples. That phrase has been used and coined and focused on by churches worldwide. This is what Jesus has told us to do. And a lot of times it's boiled down simply to those three words. Go make disciples. And today Tim asked me to talk about what is a disciple. Now if you've been around Greater Alton very long and you've looked ahead in the notes... I encourage you not to check out right now. Because if you look at those notes, most of you are very familiar with those passages of Scripture. You have probably studied them with someone. Shared them with someone. And guys, I, I encourage you, there's an old preacher that uh, we actually had him here at Greater Alton one time, and he said that the more familiar a passage of Scripture is, the more you need to slow down when you read it. Because you're probably going to miss something. You're thinking you already have it on track. And guys, when it comes to making disciples, and going to make disciples, there's, there's something I, I, I believe, you know, like there's, there's a number of churches, like as I've said, that have, that have focused on this. And it has been one of our catchphrases here at Greater Alton since our very, very beginning. But what I want to focus on today is, um, when we talk about what a disciple is, this isn't just for somebody who's here today and says, what is a disciple? I don't know. But guys, I hope it's something that everyone looks at to say, am I being a disciple? You see, in 12-step programs, uh, veterans of 12-step programs have something that they call the two-step delusion. Okay, you have a 12-step program. The first step is... I have a problem. The twelfth step is, I'm going to spend my life helping other people. And the two-step delusion, people come in and they get all fired up and all excited and the meeting makes them feel good and it helps them out and they say, I'm going to go help other people, but they don't want to spend a lot of time working on the ten steps in between. Okay, the twelve-step program is great. Come be a part of it. I'm working two of the steps. And you see, guys, a lot of times when it comes to 
the to making disciples, we do the same thing. We go, man, following Jesus is great. I want to go make disciples. And we focus so much on making a disciple that we can fail to really be a disciple ourselves. Did you know that it is possible to make disciples without being a follower of Jesus? Did you know that? I mean, the term disciple is, is by and large a Christian term today. That's where you, you, you hear it probably 90% of the time it's in Christian circles. But it's not exclusive to Christianity. I mean, it was a very common term in the days of Jesus. Uh, the Pharisees, the religious people of those days, had their disciples. You know, the, the Plato and Socrates, the, the Greek and Roman philosophers, they had their disciples. The word disciple simply means a student who is endeavoring to become like their teacher. And you see, it's possible for me to make disciples without being a real follower of Jesus. Did you know that? I make disciples of me. And Jesus warned about this, or just told us a fact about this, in Luke chapter 6. This is what He says. He says, He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. You see, I can get people to follow me and get them to believe they're following Jesus and maybe even be following Jesus in some degree, but to not actually be a true believer in Jesus. Did you know that? And you see, guys, what we want to look at today is what Jesus, Jesus said were characteristics of a disciple of His. And that's what we want to talk about today. The first one is in, is in John chapter 8. And it is very simply that a disciple obeys Jesus' words, His teachings. In John chapter 8, this is what it says. It says, So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in My Word continually obeying My teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly My disciples. See guys, it's very simple. Jesus says, what's the characteristic of a disciple? It's somebody who's going to obey what He teaches. Now with that in mind, guys, for anybody here who's claiming to be a disciple, I have a question, a very simple question for you. And that is, what are you working on obeying right now? You see, I've said this for a number of times from up here, that I believe any time a follower of Jesus is asked, they should be able to be able to spit out at least three teachings of Jesus that they're working on obeying right now. You see, because the truth of the matter is, you're never going to get it all right. The truth of the matter is, though perfection is a goal, you'll never get there. There's nobody in this room who is 100% like Jesus right now. And so every one of us has something in our character, something in our life that we need to be giving attention to that Jesus has said. And so I just want to ask that question. What are you focused on obeying that Jesus has taught you right now? You see, guys, that's what it's all about. I am 53 years old, and I'm looking ahead to retirement. Okay? I'm looking ahead towards that. I'm getting close. I'm getting excited about it. 
But guys, I want to tell you that when I look at the, at the world around us, and we live in a nation that claims to be a Christian nation, and we live in the Bible Belt, when I see most of the people who claim to be a follower of Jesus, guys, I think they, they, they reach spiritual retirement too fast. Okay? There is no such thing as spiritual retirement, by the way. But I believe that we, 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 we get there. We, the way we live, the way we act, we act as if we've spiritually retired. What does that mean? We've done enough. When you retire from work, what does that mean? I've worked enough, I've saved up enough money, or I've got a pension, and I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to get up in the morning and go to a job and stay there for 40 or 50 hours a week and make money to pay my bills. I can pay my bills. I can live without doing that. And see, guys, a lot of us, when we sign up to first follow Jesus, we go, oh yeah, there's some stuff I need to do. You know, I need to change some things. But too quick, we decide what? Oh, I've done enough. You know, we get rid of the big ones. You know, we quit smoking. We quit cussing. Okay? We quit getting drunk. We quit being immoral. Okay? We start going to church. Alright? We start doing a handful of things and we get involved in a ministry. But we don't continue on looking at what Jesus has to say and looking at how I can become more like Him. You see, guys, that's just being religious. And Jesus wasn't looking to make us religious. He was looking for us to be followers of Him. Disciples who are becoming like Him. You see, guys, look here in James chapter 1. It says, but just don't listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You see, guys, I love this passage of Scripture, and I, I, I wish I would have chose a different translation because I, this translation doesn't say it as accurately as what it should. And what it says is the person who looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so. You see, guys, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, we need to be continually, for the rest of your life, looking at what God has to say, and then taking some action. It's that simple. And you guys, the scary part about it is, if you look down here in uh, Matthew chapter 7, this is what Jesus had to say. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. <laughs> On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. 
Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. You see, guys, the truth of the matter is, when it comes to following Jesus, I want to approach that the way I approach going through a buffet. Okay? I'm guessing everybody in here likes buffets. If you don't, you're probably pickier than I am. But when you go through a buffet, I'm guessing you don't get some of everything that's on there. Some of you probably try. Okay? But if you're like most of us, you're like me, I grab a couple kinds of protein, a couple carbs, and a dessert. And when I go back, I will typically grab the same things again. And I will leave 90% of the buffet alone. Okay? I do eat some vegetables. I want to make that clear. I'm not totally as picky as I was as a kid. But guys, when it comes to approaching God's Word, when it comes to following Jesus, I'm sorry to say that I've been that way too. Let's do what I know how to do. Let's give things attention that I like or that I find easy. You know, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I had a real lazy streak. I mean, that is the reason why I was 31 years old before I made enough money to support my family. Because I didn't finish things. I didn't stay with things. I wanted things to be easy. And so I became a... a, a, The Bible says very clearly, it condemns laziness. says all hard work brings a profit. So I finally got serious about obeying that. I knew if I was going to be a follower of Jesus, I've got to obey that. And so I started my own business and I worked hard. And I made good money. And that's all I wanted to do. You know, my goal, honestly, let me work 12 hours a day and Susan can raise the kids. I'll just tell her how to do it. That was my approach, wasn't it, dear? That doesn't work very well. My plan, and I said this, I'm going to make as much money as I can in the auto glass business and I'm going to pay somebody else to do everything else for me. Guys, it doesn't work that way. That doesn't make a marriage go well. That's not following Jesus. And you know, when it came, I, I didn't have time. I was busy working, and so I missed out on things that I could do for God. So instead, you know what I did? I gave money generously. You see, that was my buffet when it comes to following Jesus was I'm going to work hard and make money and give generously. You see, because that didn't make me change much. And you see, guys, that's the way I believe we are. We pick and choose what we want to obey and ignore or neglect what we don't. And you see, guys, I believe that's what Jesus was talking about here in Matthew chapter 7 where these people are coming to Jesus, this is Judgment Day, and they go, look, we did these things! We prophesied in Your name! We cast out demons! And He goes, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, you didn't do everything I told you. You only did some of the things. And so guys, I ask you as we look at this and we say, a true disciple is one who is obeying Jesus' teachings. What are you obeying right now? Because if you don't have something in your mind, you probably need to find out. You're not living as a disciple. The second thing we want to talk about is we're actually going to jump to point three. We'll come back to point two in a minute. <clears throat> Sorry, it's a realization I had this morning. Um, 
But the, the second characteristic we want to talk about is, is that a true disciple of Jesus consistently produces visible fruit. Okay, now I put this after, I want to talk about it after we talk about obeying, because how do you know when you're obeying? Guys, there should be evidence of your obedience. That's what fruit is. Fruit is evidence that you are obeying Jesus. It, it, let me, I forgot a word in there. Fruit is visible evidence that you and other people can see. People should be able to look at you and say, you're different. You're not the same person you were a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. You are bearing fruit. Now when it comes to bearing fruit in this passage, if you, let's read this in John chapter 15. It says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in Me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from Me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in Me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in Me and My words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are My true disciples. This brings great glory to My Father. Guys, when you look at this passage, there's, there's been a debate in the past about what this bearing fruit means. Okay, If you were part of Greater Alton 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and we looked at this passage with people, we spoke almost exclusively, at least I did, let me say that, that bearing fruit means that you are making other disciples. That's what we spoke of. If you remember that, you remember the old, the old illustration. An apple tree produces apples. An orange tree produces oranges. A disciple makes disciples. And the debate is, is it talking about that? Is it talking about making disciples? Or is it talking about the fruits of the Spirit that he talks about in Galatians 5? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Is it talking about our actions? And the answer to that great debate is yes. It's talking about making disciples and it's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. You see guys, the truth of the matter is, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you're going to share Jesus with people. That's the way that works. Because if it's working for you, you want everybody to know about it. And guys, as I just talked about, fruit is visible evidence of my obedience. So if you're sharing your faith, that's visible. Jesus said that we should do that. Another passage, guys, down later in John 15 that we need to be aware of, in verse 16, He says that it will bear fruit that will last. Why is that significant? <clears throat> well, as I said, I'm 53 years old. My brother's 55. I don't think he's here today. Most of you know, I guess not everybody knows. He had a stroke about three and a half weeks ago. I guess it's not really a stroke. It's what they call a TIA. Okay, sometimes called a mini stroke or a warning stroke. 
Uh, it's the same as a stroke, except the blood clot dissolves on its own very quickly. And there's no lasting effects to it. And so I got a call one Wednesday morning from my wife, said, hey, uh, Greg's boss just called and he's had a stroke. They're taking him to Alton Memorial. Uh, so I rearranged my schedule and I got myself over there. I called Alan. Alan showed up. Mike Kiffmeyer showed up. So we're all three sitting in the ER uh, with him. And it very quickly became apparent uh, that it wasn't a serious issue. Uh, at that moment, you know, there was no nothing to worry about for the time being. Uh, that was after the doctor told me to quit cutting up. And uh, But as I'm sitting there talking to Mike Kivmeyer, you know, we're just trying to bide our time. Greg's speech is coming back slower than everything else. And so we're talk, doing most of the talking. And I'm talking to Mike, and I lean over and whisper in his ear. I said, you know what this means, don't you? What? I said, Susan's going to make me start eating better. Your brother had a stroke. Your mom's had a stroke. you got to get on the ball. Okay. Now, that's not going to be hard for me. See, I know how to eat healthy. And I know how to lose weight. You know why I can say that? I've done it several times. You know, and I won't ask for a show of hands of how many who have lost weight and then found it. Right? Right? I told Mike Kivmeyer that several years ago. He'd lost weight. I said, don't worry, you'll find it. Don't worry, you'll find it. And, and that is just the truth of the matter. When it comes to losing weight, I believe most of us can do it. It's not a hard matter. If we ask for a show of hands, there's probably several of us or most of us that are overweight can say, yes, I've lost weight before and I put it back on. You see, guys, we bore some fruit in our physical life that didn't last. And Jesus is telling us that we need to bear fruit that is going to last. You see, I mentioned earlier that we pick and choose about what we're going to obey that Jesus has told us. And when it comes to these things, there are times where the things we wouldn't choose, but they get forced upon us. You know what I'm saying? Like forgiveness. Okay? I don't know if anybody sets out to say, oh, I just want to be a forgiving person. Okay, no, I don't know if anybody chooses that. You know how you learn to be forgiving? Somebody violates you. Somebody hurts you. Somebody sins against you. And then you need to forgive. And usually when that happens, and especially if it's something major, you know, traumatic, we've been abused or we've been violated, we've been hurt in a major way that, that's seemingly unexcusable. And so we have to decide to forgive. And we understand we're a follower of Jesus and maybe somebody points out God's Word to us and says, you need to forgive that person. And most of us don't just go, okay, I'll forgive. It's a battle. It's a struggle. And you have to get up every day and choose to do you're going to forgive or remind yourself that you've forgiven and you make it through it. And then after you make it through it, you go, whoo! Hope I never have to do that again. You see, but the truth of the matter is, guys, if we're going to be like Jesus, forgiving has to be part of our character. How many of you have done that? You've forgiven one person and then all of a sudden somebody... Maybe the same person violates you again. And you have to choose to forgive them again. If you're married, this happens quite often. Okay, single folks, learn to forgive before you get married. 
Okay? I'm just telling you because it will be a regular part of your existence. <clears throat> Guys, but we have to get to decide that if we're going to obey Jesus, it's not a one-time shot. I, it's not a, I've got it and I'm done. It's got to be something that you, you do over and over and over again. That's what fruit is going to last. You may ask yourself, well, where do I start? If you, you don't have something, you know, if you don't, if you're answering the question right now, I don't, I don't have something from God's Word that I know that I'm trying to obey. I don't look and see that I'm producing fruit. Where do I start? I'm just going to ask you to say, what's in front of you right now? If you're married, that's a good place to start. If you have children, it's a good place to start. If you have a job, it's a good place to start. God has something to say about those situations. Jesus has something to say that He wants you to obey in those situations. I've got a, you know, what's in front of you? What does, what presents itself to you? You know, a wonderful example of this, um, is, is Kelsey Disler, the former Kelsey Anderson. In case you didn't know, her and Seth got married. <laughs> and anyway, uh, Kelsey started a new job back in August, correct? It's over in St. Louis. She drives across the McKinley Bridge every day. And she was sharing with us recently that uh, she stops at this one stoplight near the McKinley Bridge every day and there is always a different homeless person there by the stoplight. Okay, that's what's in front of her. A homeless person. Now Jesus has said, I was hungry and you fed me. And so she's looking around, what can I do? I know I'm not supposed to give these guys money because they'll go buy drugs or alcohol but I don't have anything to give. And all of a sudden, she realized she has a lunch. And the only reason she has her lunch is because she doesn't want the free lunch that they're giving her at the school. And so she decides to give away the lunch she's made for herself. And all of a sudden now, she's got, from what I'm hearing from her talking with my wife, there's kind of this, this heart for the homeless that's being developed. And she's looking at, how can we do more for the homeless? What can we do? On the men's retreat, the night of the men's retreat, they're having a a girls' party. Is the best the best way to put it. They're inviting the younger ladies to come over, and they're making blankets for the homeless, and they're making care packages for the homeless. You know, with toothbrushes and toothpaste and and things of those nature. There's something to try to help the homeless. And all of a sudden, she has something that's dead in front of her, and she sees a need, and she remembers what Jesus has to say. And guess what? She's trying to do it. She's bearing fruit from what Jesus has to say. <clears throat> See, guys, so what, I, you know, what's in front of you? You know what's in front of me? I've talked about it. I'll continue to talk about it until maybe I get better at it. Worry is in front of me. I own my own business. I've been at it for 23 years. And I still worry. And God has given me what I refer to as a stupid car wash. I call it that because I just want to remember it and ain't what it's all about. It really is a stupid car wash. I was sharing about this in, a, in our small group recently, and I don't remember what I was sharing about exactly, but I was sharing about the stupid car wash and the challenge it was to me, and Jennifer Alford pipes up, and she says, well, sounds like a growth opportunity to me. Now, I'm not sure that's the tone she used, but that's the tone I heard. <clears throat> But I very quickly agreed with her. I said, you're totally right, because that's what I'm sharing about it for. It is a growth opportunity. 
And I felt good that she was, she was recognizing that, even if it's for me. Guys, worry is that, is mine. Stress. Stress is one. You know, I got talked about eating healthy. And my wife goes, I can tell you're stressed. Do you know what the fruit of my stress is? Receipts. You know what those receipts show her? Mountain Dew and donuts. Breakfast pizza from Casey's and Mountain Dew. Guys, you know what the fruit of following Jesus and not worrying is? Peace. It's peace. And guys, I don't, I don't have, I'm better now than I was in January. I'm better now than I was in July. But I want fruit that's going to last. And so I've got to stay with it. I've got to continually look at what's in front of me. I've got to look at what Jesus had to say. And I have to choose that I'm going to take some action. That's what a disciple does. The third thing, we want to go back to point two. Is that a, a true disciple loves other disciples? Guys, I put this here, I decided to put it here because I believe, <clears throat> I'm not sure how to put it, if it's the ultimate fruit or if it should be the, the most obvious fruit of a disciple of Jesus Christ. In John 13, this is what it says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are My disciples. Elsewhere in Matthew, Jesus said that the most important commandments were to love God and to love other people. And here He's telling us, if you want to be a true follower of Jesus, the love that we express for each other should be so obvious to the world that it's the number one character trait they know. And guys, I ask you just to do a gut check on this real quick because you know you look at a group this size, don't look around, don't look around. There's somebody here that's not easy for you to love. There's somebody here that gets on your nerves, agitates you, annoys you. There may be somebody in this room who's hurt you. And guys, you need to understand that if you want to be a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus, you have to choose to love. That should be what characterizes us. The fourth thing, guys, we want to talk about is that a disciple lives a life of sacrifice. A disciple lives a life of sacrifice. In Luke chapter 14, this is what it says. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be My disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be My disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow Me, you cannot be my disciple. 
In Luke chapter 9, this is what He says. Then He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be My follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow Me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for My sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourselves lost or destroyed? Guys, when you look at those two passages, you really, I really focus in on, on a couple sayings. One is give up your own life. In Luke chapter 9, in that New Living Translation that we just read, it says give up your own way. You see guys, the truth of the matter is right now, we all have our own way of living life that we think works for us. You know, for some of us that may mean we have to be in control. For some of us, it may mean <clears throat> that we have to live life in such a way that it makes me comfortable. But what Jesus is saying, you've got to give up your way of doing things. As I was talking about earlier, my way of doing things was to work and make a bunch of money. That was my way. That was what was going to work. I knew what to do at work. I was successful there. I could take my money and solve all my other problems. I had to give up my way. And each and every one of us has to give up our way. I don't know what your way is. You are the only one that knows what your way is. And maybe you don't even recognize it as being bad or being contrary to what Jesus... And it may not be bad in and of itself. Working is not bad. But you recognize that your focus and the way you live life isn't the way it should be. And guys, you've got to learn to die to yourself every day. You've got to give it up. That's what happens when you are looking at Jesus' words and you're deciding to take action on them every day. I guarantee you, your way will die. You will have to choose to give up your way. You know, I, I became known, uh, uh, I, I got quoted at camp. Kids pick up on things. And I was at church camp with a junior high and high schoolers. And I, I found out recently that there was a middle schooler who was quoting me. Do we know who it is? He was, he was saying, it's what I do. You know, and Drew Law was the guilty party, by the way. Sounds like Drew. But guys, I was telling them that I've come up with this phrase, and the reason I use this phrase is whenever, most of the time I'm using that phrase, it's because I'm doing something that doesn't, didn't come naturally for me. And I'm reminding myself when I say that, that this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, it's, it's usually I'm saying that when my wife or my children have have, are thanking me for doing something. And I'm going, it's what I do. And I'm, I'm trying to remind myself, because what? Guys, I'm a selfish guy. I want to spend every minute of my life thinking about what makes me happy. And doing what makes me feel happy, comfortable, safe, you name it. 
And so I guys, it's a reminder to me that I have to give up my way. Guys, how are you doing at giving up your way? You see, guys, when you look at these characteristics of, Je- of a disciple of Jesus, of a true disciple of Jesus, I don't expect perfection and I don't believe Jesus does too. But are you moving in the right direction? That's the question you have to ask yourself as we come to the conclusion for today. You see, guys, I want us to be a group of real disciples of Jesus. Amen? That is what we want to be. And the only way that happens is if every one of us takes the challenge very personally and looks at ourselves every day and and chooses that we're going to be the disciple that we looked at today. That's all I have for today, guys. We're gonna, they're gonna, the singing group's gonna come up, worship team's gonna come up and lead us another song. There's a uh, prayer request card in your, in your bulletin. I encourage you guys, if you've been challenged by something, to, to put that on your prayer request card. Even if you take it home and remind yourself to pray about it there. They'll collect those when we take up the offering. If you're visiting with us, we don't expect you to give. We're not, didn't bring you here to get your money. Let's pray, and we'll be done. Father, thank You for today and just the chance to look at what You have to say and, Father, to examine what a real disciple is. Father, You've called us to be disciples. You've called us to make other people or call other people to be disciples. Father, I just want to pray that we're serious about that. Father, that we're not guilty of asking people to be something we're not. But Father, we want to be the followers that You call us to be. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.